This episode of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast is brought to you by Energy Bits. Energy Bits will help you to improve your health, your energy, and your vitality. And you know what? They're made from algae, just algae. Energy Bits help you to boost energy, to improve your focus. They help with better health in general. It also helps you to detox. So go to energybits.com and check out their products. Now, I told you that they are algae. Catherine, in this episode, the founder and CEO of the company, is going to get into all the science, but here's a little bit of it for you. These algae tablets contain 40 vitamins and minerals. Now, that includes iron, nitric oxide, omega-3, and all of your B vitamins. And it's only one ingredient. It's organically grown. It's non-GMO spirulina algae. They also have recovery bits, which are made of chlorella. Those help to detox your body and build your immune system. Catherine's going to tell you about how it actually prevents things like hangovers. Um, you know, it supports you if you're an athlete, but also if you're just somebody who's health conscious or if you're somebody who's looking to get on the right track with your health. They really fit into every type of a diet. Right now, there are a lot of fads and a lot of things that are popular, but it's a one-calorie tablet, and it's good if you're a vegan, if you're paleo, if you're raw, if you're keto. And actually, you might not know this about algae, but it has the highest concentration of protein in the world of any product that you can put into your body. And it gives you energy without having caffeine, without having sugar, without having chemicals. This is a superfood. It has a tiny environmental impact and carbon footprint. We actually, in this episode, we get into how things like emissions and the heating of the globe don't have an adverse effect on algae. In fact, it makes more algae growth. So I'm super excited to bring this product to you. I'm super excited to be uh, affiliated with them. I promise you, listen, I, wouldn't use, I would not promote something that I, that I have not used, that I haven't put into my body, that I haven't tried. I wouldn't do it. I've taken these. I have found them to be beneficial. I do a lot of healthy things, but this fits in nicely with my lifestyle. The thing that we're going to offer you is a 20% discount. How do you get that? Well, go to energybits.com, use the promotional code VETTER, V-E-T-T-E-R. That's VETTER, V-E-T-T-E-R. If you purchase a large bag of 1,000 or more tablets, you're going to get that 20% discount. Please use that code VETTER. We talk in this episode about another code, BITS. You can only use one at a time. But if you use VETTER, it allows them to know that the traffic that's coming to their website came from me. And I would greatly appreciate that, listeners. So go to energybits.com, put in the promotional code VETTER, and get yourself a sweet 20% discount. You can check them out on Facebook, too, at facebook.com energybits. They are on Twitter at EnergyBits, and you can check out their hashtag, Powered by Bits. That's EnergyBits.com, promotional code VETTER for a 20% discount. Voyages 
of Pim Better Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Voyages of Tim Vetter Podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Katherine Arnston. She's the founder and owner of Energy Bits. They are the ones who are sponsoring this episode, so thank you, Energy Bits. But she was also on the television show Shark Tank, where she pitched her company in an attempt to get funding. And uh, wow, she she knows a lot. <laughs> I felt a little bit, uh, a little insecure talking to her because she was able to rattle off all these facts really, really quick. But I think I held my own. Before we get to that conversation, I've been teasing this for a while that I would be talking about health and fitness in a standalone episode. So I'm still going to do that just a little bit. I think that some of the safety issues that I wanted to talk about when it comes to travel, those are going to come up in a few future episodes when I have specific stories that relate to certain topics that I want to talk about. But prior to talking about the product that Catherine's offering to people, I did want to give a little bit of advice as it relates to my own travels and the things that I've been able to experience in regards to my own health and fitness. Now, I have to first preface this by saying I am not a medical doctor at all. I'm not a trained professional uh, outside of my own reading and um, lifestyle choices and things that I've consumed. I can't offer you a whole lot of data or scientific studies. So take what I say, I guess, with a grain of salt. I think Catherine put it best in that you essentially have to try things out and see what works best for your body. To give you an example... I, two years ago, I talked about this in my episode um, from Ho Chi Minh City, but two years ago, street side at 2 a.m., um, my friends and I were eating snails, and I got violently sick for like a straight week. Everyone else was fine. So maybe that was just the particular snails that I was eating, or maybe it was just my body. So here's some of my advice. First of all, when you're traveling, let me define traveling first. I think that would be important. So I'm not necessarily talking about sitting on a beach in Cancun and drinking a Mai Tai for seven straight days. Hey, listen, that, that has its place, and if that's what you like to do, I am not shaming that or hating on that at all. It's a great way to relax. But the specific traveling that I'm talking about, I think the closest way to put it would be if you've read Rolf Potts' book, Vagabonding, that's what I'm speaking about. If you haven't read it, pause this episode, take a couple days to read that book because it's fascinating. Also, check him out on Ari Shafir's podcast, Skeptic Tank. They did like a four-hour-long, really, really interesting podcast about traveling. But Vagabonding, as I've interpreted it, is essentially traveling, immersing yourself in a culture living it, uh, having, you know, minimal luggage and things like that, that you're lugging around, kind of being able to move freely, freely throughout a country or throughout a continent over an extended period of time. And as closest to the way that people are living in that place, living that way. That's how I've interpreted it. And that's how I love to travel and, and how I try to do it. Now, there still certainly are dangers and things to take into account with your health when you're sitting on a beach in Cancun, but hopefully you understand the difference that I'm talking about. So, I should also say this too, before I jump into it. 
Balance is really important. What do I mean by that? If you're going to be traveling, let's take three weeks throughout Thailand. You want to hit the major cities, you want to go to the beaches and the islands. Maybe you did more than three weeks, but for the sake of this hypothetical situation. So you've got three weeks. If you're going to be counting calories the whole time and fretting over every single meal that you eat and worrying if you got that run in that morning, you're going to completely miss the point. Your traveling is going to be spent just worrying about your health the whole time. So I think that a balance is really, really important. If you want to have that beer, have the beer. If you want to eat that meal full of noodles, eat it. Experience it. But do you want to eat four bowls of noodles every day for every single meal? Mm, Probably going to leave that vacation bloated and heavy. So what I'm going to talk about is ways that you can incorporate aspects of fitness and health while still immersing yourself within a culture and really experiencing it. That's at least what I like to do. So number one, this has been said before. This was said when uh, actually Henry Rollins was on Ari Shafir's podcast, but I completely concur. Water. Water is super, super important. If you're traveling anywhere outside of really the United States, Canada, and Europe, you're going to need to drink bottled water. Now, don't be the hero who's like, ah, whatever, I'll risk it. I'm hanging out with my friends from this country. And no, no, their bodies are adapted to it. Their bloodline has gone through generations of people who are drinking from that specific location. Their bodies are used to those specific microbes in that place. Don't be a hero and try to drink water that's not from a bottle. I'm telling you, I speak from experience. And this includes ice, right? So you're going to have that beverage warm over having that beverage with some ice. If you're living in a place for a year, if you're studying abroad, teaching abroad, or just doing some really extensive travel, well, then maybe your body's going to adjust and get used to it. If you're in a place for a couple weeks, you have to drink bottled water. You have to make sure it's sealed, and you have to make sure you're getting enough water. When I'm home and I'm working, I drink about a gallon a day. Now, put me in a hot climate where I'm sweating all day, where I'm walking all day and moving around a lot, I'm going to need even more. Luckily, bottled water in most places is pretty cheap, especially when you adjust for like um, the difference in the rate of the currency from here and, you know, Southeast Asia or Africa. So before I take off on the flight, I get water because they're going to come around a lot but generally they're not going to bring you a ton of water when they, when they come by on the plane. So I always fly with water. As soon as I land in the airport, I get water. And then as soon as I'm settled and adjusted in the hotel, I get water. I use it to brush my teeth. I always keep like a smaller bottle in the, in the hotel room, in the bathroom by the sink. There's a lot of hotels that give you like a little, um, maybe like a six ounce bottle of water. Some will give you a little bit larger. Uh, use that. That's what I do, and I I always brush my teeth with that. You can go back through some of these episodes, but I've gotten sick in Thailand, in Vietnam, in Kenya, in Mexico, this year in Indonesia. Like it's 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 a nightmare when you're traveling, especially if you have to fly after that. It's just terrible. So water is like priority number one. Now, generally, I would assume that if you're traveling somewhere, you're seeing a lot of things, you're walking a lot. So you're going to be moving, you're going to be building up an appetite, you're going to be burning calories. 
One thing that I like to do is I like to try to immerse myself in something physical that allows me to still experience the culture. So I'll give some examples. I love to run. Generally, I don't like the beginning of a run, but I guess once I hit the point where I'm like almost, it, maybe it's flow, it's probably just that I'm getting the endorphins at this point, and then I love it. So about mid-run usually, maybe 20 minutes in, but I love to run. And so I think the first time I did this, I was in Cleveland, and I was with, well, I was with a whole group of guys. We went to see, uh, we wanted to check out the Indians ballpark, and the first morning there, my friend Tim, another Tim, my friend Tim and I, we went for a run throughout the city. And it's awesome because you get to see all these places. You see these restaurants, these bars, these museums, these places that, oh, I should go check that out later. Let me recall that. So it's a great way to kind of get like a base for the city if you haven't already researched a lot of it in advance while getting some physical activity, while getting a workout in. So I love doing that. Um, again, you're going to want to make sure that you've kind of scoped out the place first. There are sketchy areas all over the world. Uh, there's sketchy areas all over here in America. I mean, here in New York City where I live. So there's certain places you're not going to be wanting to run through, you know, in the middle of the night. But, you know, trust yourself. Be smart. The other thing I like to do is, I've talked about this before, I love to do Muay Thai. Again, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself like uh, a practitioner. But... I like to do the thing in the country that they're known for, right? So I actually have a potential trip to, to Brazil, maybe, and I'd love to do jiu-jitsu there. You know, every country essentially has its martial art or its sport. Try it out. They're not going to throw you in there with killers right away. Take a beginner class, get some physical activity while also experiencing the thing that that, that country has. A lot of places have public spaces and parks where you can work out. I'm thinking specifically from my trips to Hanoi and Ho Chi Minh City. Ho Chi Minh City has um, a park that has like workout equipment in it. And it's cardio stuff. It's all like using your own body mo body's momentum. It's not electric machines. But when I was in Hanoi, right by the lake, they actually had, um, they had a bench um, you know, a bench to do bench friends, not, not, not a, like a park sitting bench, but they had a bench, they had free weights and then people just working out. It's a cool thing to go do, wake up in the morning, watch the people who are doing Tai Chi, listen to the chanting, hear the bells and talk to some people while you're working out. Again, like that's a way to experience the culture and also get some exercise. And then also just research gyms. I think this past year when I was in um, Ho Chi Minh City, I was paying like $4 American a day to go to the gym there. It was a you know, fully equipped gym. So there are gyms everywhere that are generally cheaper than the prices you pay here in America. You know, not always going to have the best equipment, not always going to be the cleanest, but hey, listen, you're traveling. Again, if your primary concern is to only think about health and safety 24-7, you're not going to enjoy your trip. All right, what else? I think that it's important when you fly, and maybe this is just me, but I always have digestion issues when I travel for an extended period of time, especially after a really long flight. And um, Catherine actually talks about this in our episode. 
this might be hard for you, but I recommend, again, not a doctor, but just what's worked for me, I recommend not eating like the meals on a flight. It's hard to do this sometimes. Those 20-hour flights to just to get to your layover are tough. But I think it's, and I, I've researched this a little bit, but I think it's something about the fact that your body, your digestion slows down at that altitude when you're in a plane. The meals to keep them fresh and to give them flavor are generally packed with salt and with sugar. Um, and that uh, the salt obviously dehydrates you, which makes it harder to digest things. Again, that's why you need water. Um, and a lot of people, to keep themselves calm on a plane and to make themselves fall asleep, will drink alcohol. That too, I just feel like all that stuff kind of slows down my system. And then I land already like my circadian rhythms are weird. The time's different. My body's out of whack. And just for me, that makes it so much worse. And then I'm not like normal and regular for a while. Um, so I've noticed when I, when I eat minimally on a flight or I eat, you know, an hour before it in the airport, it's just a lot more beneficial for me when I fly. A little trick for beating some of the jet lag for me, it's always worse when I come home. I think part of that's probably like the depression of, you know, th this flow of traveling is worn off. I was so excited. I loved it. And now I'm back home, back to the daily grind. But certainly jet lag's a real thing. And you can feel really crummy coming off a plane. You know, there's a bunch of people packed in there. Again, sometimes for a really long time. Some people are sick. You're exposed to all that stuff. Uh, so these are my recommendations. Uh, airborne, I think it's full of like sugar, but I would take it on a flight. I do take it on a flight. There's a couple things I do when I land. Again, as soon as I land, I drink water. When I land, I immediately try to do what other people are doing for that time of day. So for example, if I land and it's 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock in, in the morning, one in the morning, I'll go to sleep. If I land and it's 1 p.m. and I've just flown for 20 hours and I want to sleep, I won't sleep. I'll stay up. The sooner you can get into the rhythm of the sun and the and the day in that in that region in that country wherever you're going, I found that the easier it is to adjust to that place. Um. I always do this. I recommend it. If you can sleep on the flight, that is perfect. I generally strategize too. Like on those long flights to Asia, especially if you're an English speaking person, they'll, they'll often put you in the emergency exit seats. So you've got more leg room. Research it in advance because some of those emergency exit seats don't go back. And then it's a little bit harder to sleep. Um, I also kind of like, I like the back row. I don't know. It just means like there's no one behind you. So there's no one behind you talking or kicking your seat. Um, you're close to the bathroom. You're like It's the easiest place to get out and to stretch and not really bother anybody. Um, but again, when I land, I will either sleep if it's nighttime or I'll stay up and go out and do things as soon as I land. I also both coming and going, I like to do something physical right away. I'm not talking about necessarily getting in a workout or something like that.
But as soon as you land and put your stuff away, go for a walk, start exploring the city right away, move your legs, like maybe do some stretching, just get the blood flowing. Uh, that, that's always worked for me in, in helping to prevent that really nasty jet lag as well. Hopefully those tips are good for you. And then finally, I like to bring some things with me that my body is both familiar with and that are good for me. So again, if I'm going to Indonesia, typically when I'm home, I don't really eat a lot of pasta and I don't eat noodles. But if I go to Indonesia, I'm eating laksa. And I'm going to eat a lot of laksa. If I go to Italy, I'm eating pasta. I don't eat bread really when I'm at home. If I go to France, I'm getting a baguette and cheese. If I go to uh, Vietnam, I'm eating pho. I'm eating a baguette. It's weird too. This is a little aside, but I've been, I've heard and I've also read this that it's because the wheat here is different. It's because it's modified. It's because it's bulked up that it makes you feel a lot fuller. And I've noticed that. I don't know if it's just in my mind, but I've also talked to people about this. That here's an example. I was eating in Ho Chi Minh City this July, and I was eating by myself at a table. And there was an American and an, an American man and an Australian woman, a little bit younger than me. And they looked over at me and they're like, hey man, you're eating by yourself, why don't you come join us? And they were super, super cool, really friendly, really sweet people. And we were talking and she was telling me, generally I'm affected by wheat and gluten and things like this. But here it's so weird, like the bread and the rice noodles, obviously it's rice, so it's not necessarily gluten, but um, they really, it doesn't affect me here. And I've noticed that too, like it's a lot lighter in a lot of other places. So um, that's also just to say that it might not affect you the same way here as it would affect you there. But the things that I like to bring with me are things that I don't think I'm going to be able to find. Uh, so first of all, I like a, a daily multivitamin. If I'm in Southeast Asia and I'm eating a lot of rice or Asia in general and I'm eating a lot of rice, not full of a variety of nutrients, right? There are a lot of like leafy green vegetables that are hard to find in that region. You can find like uh, Chinese broccoli everywhere. They have um, like bitter melon, dandelion and things like that. Uh, sometimes it's harder, like good luck with kale, uh, right? Uh, sometimes it's harder to find like broccoli and things like that. In Thailand too, I've noticed that. But I'll, I'll try to bring it a daily multivitamin. I like the multivitamin packs when I'm at home. It's just that when you're traveling, like that can get, uh, it can take up a lot of space because, right, you have a whole pack for each day. Um, some of the ones I've taken, I've taken the Onnit multi-packs. I forget what those are called. Um, but those are a little bit more expensive. I've tried the Made Man ones. I've taken those with me. Um, those will like turn your urine uh, like a fluorescent green yellow. So don't don't worry about that. That's it's probably because you're actually like eliminating most of the stuff that's good for you. But the reason I like those two is because they have probiotics in them. My stomach's not the best. I've talked about this at length, but I feel like it, it helps again, keep me regular and normal when I'm, when I'm traveling. So a multivitamin, if it, if it's just a regular one a day, or if it's a pack, whatever you think uh, you can, you can fit in with your stuff. I like uh, turmeric. I take it here at home. I take it when I'm traveling. Just, you know, it's 
it's largely known to help with inflammation. And again, if you if you're having a lot of sugar overseas, or you're drinking a lot, or you just have aches and pains, and you're walking around a lot, um, perhaps it could help with those things. I just like it as like a daily wellness thing, and I think my body's so used to it now that I like to take it. You can also bring regular probiotics if you don't have that within your multi. There are a lot of uh, a lot of medicinal items you can get in many places in the world with relaxed laws, like so you can get things without a prescription, like antibiotics and things like that. I don't really take antibiotics, but I just say that to say you can get medicinal things in a lot of places, but I don't really think for, for cheap. But I don't really think you can get these like health related items in a lot of places for cheap, or sometimes at all. Uh, I remember when I was in Laos, like there wasn't a whole lot of Western friendly stuff there. In regards to medicines, um, obviously you have to take your malaria pills and talk to your doctor about which is best for you. I, I know people who've gotten malaria. I've talked to them. It sounds awful. Um, Chitra, who I had on this podcast, had gotten dengue. That sounds awful. I don't think there's a prevention for that, but um, get your shots beforehand. Uh, I think the only thing I've never gotten was like the rabies shot, but um, that that sounds like a, like a, a terrible one if you are bitten. I think you have to get the shots like all in your stomach. Uh, but I've gotten everything else. Uh, what have I gotten? Yellow fever shot, encephalitis. Look at the CDC website before you go somewhere. Make sure you take the precautions before you go. Other things I like to bring. I always bring ciproflaxin and I bring a Z-Pack. Again, I've never had to take either. Both of those are, well, one's a Z-Pack's antibiotic and the ciproflaxin is going to, for me, it's a last resort if I get a stomach bug and I know I have a stomach bug. Uh, all the other times I've gotten sick, I've kind of waited them out and I've been okay after a while. Um, again, the reason I don't really want to take antibiotics is it does, you know, it kills all the good gut bacteria as well as the bad. And my stomach's just not not great on a day-to-day basis. So I don't want to wipe out like all, all that good uh, gut flora, right? Um, because then I have to come back and rebuild or I just don't want the side effects of that. But I will if I, if I totally need it, if I get like a, a real bug or a worm or something like that. People do that all the time. It sounds silly. Maybe it's awkward and weird to talk about. But people come back to the States and they have things and ugh, I just don't want to deal with that. So I always bring those two things and um, I've actually given them to other people when I've traveled because they've needed them. And like I said, you can get them, but often if you do get them overseas, like they're not the same, they're not made from the same companies. I don't know if that makes a difference. I've heard people say like, hey, these don't really work so well here. So go to your doctor before you go, talk to them about what you need um, and they will hook you up. I always bring like a cortisone cream, a cortisone, cortisone 10, right? I think hydrocortisone cream. That's for, I, that I use for everything. I mean, it's funny. Well, first of all, mosquitoes and mosquito bites. Uh, but it's funny, like, I'm always talking to Kevin about this. In different climates, like your skin can get kind of weird. I don't know if this is a real scientific thing, but I've always found that when I get cuts and scrapes and things like that, and I'm in a super hot climate, they, they don't heal as well. So even like when I, I think I've posted pictures of this on the Instagram, but like when I've done Muay Thai and I've gotten cuts or bruises, I feel like they take forever to heal. 
they don't always look great. <laughs> Man, I'm really talking about a lot of weird bodily stuff here. But I always bring cortisone and an antibiotic. Those two things are important. Proper footwear is super important. Listen to my uh, Luang Prabang episode. Um, I'm lucky I didn't get like triggers in my feet. Uh, I, I had flip-flops and I was in the mud on a mountain and like Kevin lost his, one of mine broke and sunk into the mud. Ugh, it's proper footwear, folks. If you're hiking, get some good sturdy hiking boots or shoes. Um, I've even like resorted to, when I'm in cities, in Southeast Asia, and a lot of people and tourists are wearing sandals. I just like sneakers. You know, the streets are often dirty. I just don't want to deal with having to really go to a doctor overseas. Especially like, again, it, it, talking about Laos, or even when I was in Vietnam this summer, people will fly to another country. So people will often fly to Singapore or Bangkok because the medical care is better there. So our friend actually did that this summer. Uh, I don't want to deal with that. I know someone that had an appendectomy overseas. Um, uh, it doesn't sound fun. I know someone that had their wisdom teeth pulled overseas. I don't want to deal with that. So also maybe go for a checkup before you leave in addition to making sure you have all your meds and things like that. All right. That's 25 minutes of advice from someone who's not a medical professional. So... Let's transition over to my conversation with Catherine. Again, Catherine is the founder of Energy Bits. So she's going to talk to you about a product that, again, I take. This whole episode is not just a pitch. Um, there's a lot of science here. We reference some books and some studies and things that I believe that you should check out because they're not just related to her company. They're related to health in general. Um, I do think that her product is good for travelers. That's why I have her on. Um, and it's, it's, it's worked for me in my life and I'll can, and continue to take it. I should mention that we will be doing some contests for some products. So follow the links that I put in the show notes. Leave a comment on my social media, on my site. Leave a comment on their social media, on their site. We're going to give away uh, a bag of goodies. I might give away some stuff additionally too. Catherine's been super sweet in offering up some stuff from her company. But I would also like to give some. And I'm also thinking potentially of maybe giving doing a surprise giveaway. Well, surprise, but I just ruined it. But uh, I mentioned two books in this episode. One is Brain Maker. The other one is Super Life. So what I'll do, I've done this every episode, but I kind of like it. I like to share things and I like, I like, I want you guys to learn along with me. This has been a really awesome ride this past year. just talking to these amazing, educated, cool, funky people. So what I'll do again is like, I'm really trying to promote the podcast. Again, it's not something I make money off of, but as a way to spread the message, spread the love. Hey, if I made money off of it, that would be great one day. Um, but help me to promote it a bit. If you leave a star rating and you, um, take a screenshot of that star rating and send it to my email, the voyages of Tim Vetter at gmail.com, uh, depending on how many I get, I will give away maybe a couple of the single packs of the energy bits. And then I'll also give away one copy of each of those books. 
it'll probably be like what I've been doing is if I get a bunch, they're random. If I get one and then I don't get any more emails for a couple days, I'll send it to that one. And then if more people roll in and I still have a product or whatever I'm giving away, I'll give away more. Okay. So again, leave a star rating on iTunes or, um, check out SoundCloud and do a like or something like that. Screenshot it, email it to me, say hello, say what's up. I'll send you that and I'll send you, uh, well, you'll be in the running to receive one of those products and then I'll send some stickers and I generally send stickers to everybody. So, okay, cool. Check out energybits.com. Check out the voyages of Tim Vetter Instagram account. Uh, shoot me an email and let me know what you think about this conversation with Catherine. Thanks, everybody. So I'm super excited to have Catherine Arnston today on the podcast. So welcome, Catherine. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here, Tim. <laughs> I had first heard of you and your company and your products through the Ben Greenfield podcast. Uh, he's fantastic and he gives a whole lot of information. And uh, right off the bat, I went and I got a couple products and I do want to talk about those. But why don't you first explain what your company is and what it is that you guys offer? Sure. Well, um, we consider ourselves a nutrition company because that is our goal is to help people be nourished um, so they can be healthier and not get all these illnesses that are, um, especially the diseases like cancer. And um, <clears throat> to, to help people be uh, nourished properly, I discovered algae, which is a... Um, the most alkaline, nutrient-dense food in the world, endorsed by United Nations and NASA to that effect. Uh, and it's been used in Asia uh, for 50 years, um, where it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And it's been sold in America for 50 years, too. But until my company came along, nobody has really accurately or even made any attempt to educate people about what algae is. There's different types of them, what they do, why they're good for you. So... We are, sell algae in tiny tablets that you can buy online and increasingly through practitioners and uh, um, yoga studios. And, the, and we want more people to understand what it does because it will help you get all the nutrition that you need in seconds and it will um, help your immune system stay strong. So as you're traveling around and you're you know, exposed to bacteria and bugs and flus and secondhand air, et cetera, and, and time zones, not to mention time zones, that your immune system will be strong enough to not have you susceptible to uh, getting sick on your trip or, or whatever you're doing. So um, we really have a bigger mission, which is to help people be healthy. But we, the way that we accomplish that is uh, because I found that algae was the, uh, the best vehicle and easy to travel with. It's very tiny and you can swallow them, chew them and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, so that's, that's what we're doing. We're based in Boston. And um, I started the company almost seven, eight years ago, and I wasn't planning on starting a company. It was a result of my younger sister getting breast cancer. She's fine now, but oh, wow. uh, her oncologist told her she should 
uh, change her diet to an alkaline diet because it would help her heal, and she didn't know what that was. So I helped her figure out that, what that was, which was basically plant-based foods because of all the phytonutrients and the chlorophyll and the oxygen that are in plants. And so, and then I let, started reading about plant-based nutrition. And remember, this was eight or nine years ago. Nobody was talking about plant-based nutrition then. And then um, I just thought, gosh, I, I've got to get this out to, to, to the world. And so <clears throat> I did. And then I found algae, and it's the most alkaline food. And I thought, okay, since most people don't like greens and we need to get green nutrition into them to keep them healthy, that's what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to sell, get algae out into the mainstream. And then, so that was seven, eight years ago. Wow. <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> We're finally being discovered. It's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is exciting. I mean, so the, the two products um, that I tried, and I hope I don't butcher any of the pronunciations, but uh, chlorella and spirulina. I'm saying those correctly? You said them perfectly. Ah, you awesome. said them absolutely perfectly. Yes. <laughs> so can you can, yes. so Yeah. Can you explain what what okay. the difference is between those or the similarities like a- Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. So uh, first of all, there's about 15,000 strains of algae that exist of, uh, and almost all of them will make you sick. So I tell your listeners don't go skimming the algae off their swimming pool or a, in a pond when they're traveling around because it's 90% chance it will make you sick. Wow. Um, but the two that are, have been used as a nutritional, as a, as a crop, these are a crop. These are not supplements. This is a plant. It's very similar to kale or broccoli. It's just a plant. It's grown in water, and then we just press the water out of them. But the, so the only two that are guaranteed to be healthy and that are good for you are, as you mentioned, spirulina, and the second one is chlorella. I'm going to start with spirulina because spirulina um, was the very first life form on Earth three and a half billion years ago, and there are fossils to prove this. So you got to say, say to yourself, my gosh, something's been around for three and a half billion years ago and it's still here. There's got to be something special about it, and there is. Uh, first of all, spirulina, thanks to spirulina, which gives off... Um, uh, oxygen. All algae releases oxygen when it's growing, and it captures carbon dioxide. <clears throat> it's thanks to the, all this growth of spirulina, then there was enough um, oxygen on planet Earth, so that about 500 million years later, chlorella was developed. So spirulina is the granddaddy, and chlorella is the offshoot. So back to spirulina. Spirulina is a what's called a blue-green algae, and the reason why this is important to to know because chlorella is a green algae. Spirulina has this blue pigment in it called phycocyanin, which has a lot of healing properties. But in general, spirulina um, uh, provides you energy mentally and physically, and it satisfies your hunger. It has the highest concentration of protein in the world. It has three times the amount of protein as steak. It has 48 times more um, iron than spinach. It has a thousand times more chlorophyll, well, actually 500 times more chlorophyll than greens. Uh, it has 40 vitamins and minerals. Uh, it has a nutrient profile that is almost identical to mother's milk, and this is why they give it to babies in Japan when they can't digest mother's milk. So, and the United Nations has held a conference 40 years ago declaring spirulina as the answer to world hunger because it has so much protein and so many other nutrients. So it is a rock star nutritionally. And I'm only mentioning a few things. It also is loaded with B vitamins, which give you the energy. It's loaded with healthy um, essential fatty acids, omega-3, which most people are familiar with, um, DHA, 
which is also very important for your brain, another one called GLA. So, man, if you are, you know, um, and it's not good just for athletes, uh, but our first market set was indeed athletes, marathon runners, triathletes, um, Olympic athletes, but um, it will power you through the day. So as I, most people were trying to get people, including myself, I have them every morning for breakfast with tea or water or something, and, and there's only one ingredient and one calorie, um, all this great fat and all this great protein. So you will be satisfied, your hunger will be satisfied for about an hour or two, and you've only had 30 calories. And you've had all the nutrition that you need for the day. Wow. That's Sweet, a, huh? That, that is I mean, incredible. Really, it is incredible. And my dream is to get this into children's meals at schools one day because, you know, I'll just mention one, one, one of the nutrients uh, in addition to the protein that's super important is this essential fatty acid. As, a, as You're a teacher, so you know brain health is very important. Um, and uh, GLA is technically an omega-6, but it behaves like an omega-3, which means that it reduces inflammation in the body and the brain. And your brain is over 60% fat, so it, it really needs healthy fats. But our traditional diet in America is loaded with the unhealthy fats, that, you know, fried foods, and they use it in, um, really bad omega-6s in processed foods. So, so your brain's getting all this really bad fat, and, and so it can't function properly. When you start putting in the healthy fats like you find in spirulina, your focus improves. We have parents writing us telling us their children don't have ADHD anymore. Wow. Um, we are using, we have doctors who are using it as a protocol for helping veterans with post-traumatic uh, stress disorder. It's so nourishing to the brain. And one of the most nourishing aspects is this thing called GLA, which is gamma-linaic acid. And the only place in the world that has more GLA than spirulina is mother's milk. And the reason why mother's milk has so much GLA in it is because the baby's brain doubles or triples in size within the first couple of years of birth. And one of the things that facilitates that is this GLA um, essential fatty acid. So, and no, and we need healthy fats all of our life, but after the age of two, like where are you gonna get it? You can't get it from mother's milk, right? right. Wow. <laughs> so, um, so it's truly a perfect food. It's, it's you know, next to my, everyone, all doctors recognize mother's milk as being considered a perfect food and spirulina because the profile, the nutrient profile is almost identical and I'm the one that discovered that. Um, really, it has to be considered the perfect food as well. So for hunger, focus, energy, you just can't beat spirulina. And it's all natural. No caffeine, no sugar, no chemicals, nothing. One ingredient, boom. First plant life on earth. So that, there you go. There's spirulina, uh, blue-green algae, first life on earth. Then 500, oh, and the other, one other little thing I'll mention is that technically spirulina is actually a bacteria because it does not have a cellular wall on the outside or a nucleus. Now, the reason I want to mention this is because when you take spirulina, because there is no cellular wall for your body to break down, it gets into your bloodstream very quickly. So within you know 10 minutes, uh, it never hits your GI tract undigested. It gets absorbed so quickly. That's why the athletes love it, because they've been using gels and bars and yeah. sugary carb things. And um, when you're running or athletic, you don't have enough enzymes to digest something like that, so it gets into your lower intestine undigested, which causes stomach distress. But with algae, there's none of those bad ingredients anyways, but secondarily, the spirulina 
gets into your bloodstream so quickly, it never hits your GI tract undigested. And if you chew it like I do, it's very green, but a lot of people who are, you know, getting healthier and getting a palate for green don't mind it. Um, if you chew it, it gets into your bloodstream literally in seconds. Wow. So people who are, uh, have, um, 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 lots of times if, if you have very sensitive, you have a, what's it called, hypoglycemia, um, this is really, this is better than, you know, having orange, orange cubes or something. We, we're really hoping to get this into athletes. So, you know, they're taking a break, have some spirulina because it won't, won't not upset your stomach and it will balance your blood sugar almost instantly um, because of the protein, the fats and the quick absorption. So it's pretty, it's pretty exciting to be telling people about it, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, well, first of all, geez, so. like you really know your stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have a few follow-ups. I do want to just, I guess, make a point that um, this almost maybe will sound like a read or an ad. It's not. It, it's true. I recently, about uh, a week and a half ago, I took a red eye from Denver back to New York. And I got here like 6 in the morning on a Sunday and I had a lot to do. I couldn't stop and nap or sleep. And I actually, I wanted to go to the gym and I did take the like single pack of the spirulina and like, I totally was energized. Like, I know that might sound like a read because you're on, but it really did work. Uh, I also chewed it. Um, and I know like sometimes people say uh, they don't like the taste or they don't like the, you know, the taste of leafy green things. It was fine for me. Uh, it does make your mouth kind of green, but that goes away just with drinking <laughs> drinking anything. But um, yeah. yeah, like it, I, I can attest to the fact that like it, it totally worked for me. Um, yeah, well, I'm so glad that you felt that. Um, and in seven years, that's all we ever hear from everybody. So, and you know, when I first started doing this, of course, nobody had heard of me or nobody had heard of algae, and so. They thought I was a snake oil salesman. I'm like, I'm not here to make a fast stock. In fact, I don't even pay myself. I haven't paid myself in seven years. But it's so important to me that people understand the nutritional value of this. And, and uh, we, we do recommend 30 as the single serving size. And you can take far more than that. We have NH, we fuel five NHL teams. And they have the equivalent of two or three servings of both algae in their smoothie before each game. Because, you know, they're very active and they're, you know, they need lots of energy. But um, so uh, it's like having a salad. You know, you can't ever overdose on it. It's not a drug. It's not a pill. It's just food. Um, on the other hand, if you're a petite build um, uh, and you get energy from a smaller portion, uh, we tell people, like, listen to your body. If you can, if you get the energy that you need from half a serving, you know, go for it. Right. Um, so I so I'm delighted to hear that you felt the same experience. And the funny thing is, um, you don't have to build up to get that experience. It happens every single time within 15 or 20 minutes. Um, the only you know sometimes even like to say faster within seconds if you if you chew it. So uh, it's not it's not like a drug again. You don't have to build up a tolerance right. to it, and um, it works 100 percent of the time, all the time. <laughs> so cool. That's really cool. Really good. Excellent. Yeah, uh, we yeah. had a couple. Sorry about that. What's that? I, I, just, I thought you had a couple other questions that would have. To oh, yeah, yeah. I definitely have some follow-ups. Um, Catherine, I'm wondering about um, the sourcing, like the how and the where. Is, is algae farmed sure. or is this like taken from the wild? So, um, and I'm so glad you asked that because there is a lot of algae. Now that your listeners will be you know, aware of spirulina and chlorella, they'll go online and they'll see lots of cheap 
um, companies out there, or, or, or sorry, I should say spirulina that's sold at a lower price than ours. But I can almost promise you all those lower priced algaes are being grown in China, where they, they're very often one of maybe a thousand or 200 products that somebody's buying or selling. And all we do is algae. And I started this company to make a difference in the world, to help people. So everything has been curated. Uh, I have touched every single aspect of our company, including where it's grown, how it's grown. And so to answer your question, it is grown in freshwater outdoor tanks. A lot of people misunderstand. They think algae is grown in the ocean. No, it's not. That's seaweed. Now, algae is part of the seaweed family, but algae grows in fresh water. And um, there was a company years ago that was growing algae in Klamath Lake. And I would urge people not to buy that. It's, I think it's company still around. I, think it's, uh, I don't want to mention any names. Anyways, because algae absorbs whatever's in the water. And also some of your, your listeners will sometimes see articles online about toxins and mitotoxins um, found in algae. Yes, if they're grown in a swamp right. or a stagnant pool of water or your swimming pool, of course there's going to be toxins. There'll be toxins in anything that you grow in that kind of water condition. Algae, our algae, is grown in carefully monitored large freshwater tanks. Uh, they're outdoor. We grow them in Taiwan. Taiwan is the gold standard for uh, algae grown nationwide or globally. It's grown in Japan, China, Taiwan, India, and a little bit in Hawaii. Um, there's virtually nothing grown in America, but my dream is to grow the company to be significantly you know, larger so that maybe in 10 years we can grow it here, maybe in Nevada or Arizona, somewhere there's uh, a lot of sunshine. We don't actually need a lot of land and we don't need a lot of water and you get 100 times more protein per acre than, than animal farming and you get you use a tenth of the water and you can reuse the water because it kills bacteria when it's growing. So, um, so you, you, you want to be very careful where you source your algae from and <clears throat> Anybody who's selling a, a lesser expensive one, they probably you have the lower grade of spirulina, so there's not as many nutrients, and they probably use flash heat to dry it, which we don't. Um, and they use different kinds of packaging techniques that don't preserve the nutrients like we do. Uh, and we bet package ours in a UV-protected foil bag that literally never goes bad, but we, we have to put a shelf life on it. So ours is like two or three years, um, but a lot of companies, they use clear uh, tablets or sometimes they use fillers we don't have any fillers so um so and we believe in the you know growing it outdoors the way mother nature intended it to be grown um so it's it's grown what you would call hydroponically yeah so i'm wondering then would maybe this is silly but would climate change and more co2 emissions mean that there would be more algae growth um, well, it's interesting that you asked that question, too, because just a couple of weeks ago, because I'm constantly researching, um, I found an interesting part, piece of research that said because of the increased CO2 in our air, um, because of you know, climate warming and all that sort of stuff, what that effect has had is that plants, any kind of plants, you know, especially crops like you know, cabbage or wood, anything, they, they're finding there is less protein and um, fewer minerals and more sugar and more carbs, um, which is really disastrous to our food chain. We, we've all known that our food chain has been damaged because of overcropping and there's very few minerals in the soil for the plants. to. So even if you are eating a green diet, you're probably not getting proper nutrients because the soils have been so 
um, they've lost so many nutrients. But also there's this other effect that nobody knew about until recently that the because of the CO2 levels, there's fewer um, important nutrients like protein and, and um, minerals in the plants. However, that does not affect algae because it's not a soil-based right. crop. So, there's, so it's not affected. And, um, and I, that's why I'm so passionate about algae because it's really like the last stand when it comes to getting dense nutrition. There's nowhere else that you can get this kind of dense nutrition. And this is an example. Years ago, we had someone who was a um, very fit uh, individual. She was actually, she worked for CBS News, Sports News, and she, but she was anemic. And she took two of our tablets and she, you know, normally we recommend 30, right? And, uh, but because she was so anemic, she texted us and tweeted and said, Oh my God, I had the best workout of my life. And we're going, wow, on two. But it's because she was so nutrient deprived that suddenly her body just absorbed all this fabulous nutrition and she felt the, the, um, the, the difference immediately. So, um, Algae, uh, you, you were very early. I mean, I'm already seven, eight years into this, but we're still early. But algae is probably going to become one of the biggest industries of the 21st century from a nutritional perspective because um, we have such a, um, a problem with our crops. The aquifers are growing up, and then most 80% of the water from aquifers are used on crops. And algae, you know, growing algae, you reuse the water. How fantastic is that? Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's very exciting. So we don't, the algae is not affected by this deterioration of, um, of the, the environment. And by the way, we're very proud of the fact, and we put it on our bags, and we put it on our boxes, it's one of the most sustainable, eco-friendly crops in the world. I mentioned you get 100 times more protein per acre than uh, animal cropping, uh, raising. It uh, uses a tenth of the water of uh, regular crops, so, uh, soil-based crops, and um, you can reuse the water because the, the, um, the algae kills bacteria. And in fact, your listeners will probably be amused to know that virtually every city water treatment plant in America already uses algae to kill bacteria in your water. Oh. Cool, huh? They've been, it's, it's, it's like, yeah, wild. Um, <laughs> it also, as I said, releases uh, carbon, releases oxygen and captures carbon dioxide. 90% of the uh, oxygen on Earth is from algae. It's not from the Amazon rainforest. And here's the, here's the other one that really gets me. You know, we're so excited that people have realized that they need omega-3 fats to help with their health and reduce inflammation. Unfortunately, however, this has put such a demand on fish oil, which is where most people are getting their omega-3 from. And, and so what this has caused is massive fish farming in the ocean. And there's a PBS show I saw recently that anybody can probably go online and look, check it out about how damaging this has been for the, for the ocean. Yeah. Because when you aggregate all these fish together, you know, let's face it, the fish poop and the, the poop is acidic and it's killing, it's creating dead zones in the ocean and it's washing up onto shore and killing the, the, um, the, um, the grass and the, you know, whatever's growing on shore too. It's a real, it's a huge problem and that's why they did this PBS show. But guess what? Guess where the algae get, or the fish get their omega-3 from? Yep, they get it from algae. <laughs> so even Dr. Oz says the better, more sustainable source for your omega-3, and it's vegan, by the way, is algae. And because the, the algae has the omega-3, the DHA, and that GLA that I mentioned earlier. So, and it's, it's sustainable. So um, on top of, so it's going to save the oceans. It's going to save the fish. And, and one, if, if anyone does see that PBS 
show the, the final shots, the, um, the interim solution they have found, you're going to love this, to stop all that acidity because of the fish pooping, they're feeding the, uh, they're feeding the fish algae um, directly, not just, you know, because they have fish feed, which is all acidic, you know, you know stuff, soy and whatever. Yeah, and corn, right? Things, you know, aren't farmed change, change fish eating fish corn? Pardon me? Aren't farmed fish also being fed like a corn-based diet now, like for the first time in history? Yes. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, and that's terrible because that's acidic, and that's why the cattle fart so much because they are fed corn, which is sugary and very acidic, and 15% of the uh, carbon dioxide that's released is from fish or cattle releasing gas because they've got digestion because they're feeding corn, mm. which, by the way, is all GMO. So. Right. <laughs> The, the algae doesn't need anything. It, you just put it in the water, and it, it, it creates its own photosynthesis, and it just grows. It, it's, a, it's the fastest-growing organism in the world. And previously, all, there was a lot of research going on into biofuel, although it's not really moving as fast as it used to because, you know, Elon Musk has got a better solution, which is capture, you know, p- uh, energy from the source, at the source where you need it from the, from the sunlight. But all that biofuel research that was being done was all with algae because it's the fastest growing organism and it has so much oil. You know? uh. So they were trying to capture the oil or they were trying to figure out how to tap into the energy while, they're, while it's growing. It's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. So if somebody were to incorporate... So I tell people... I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Keep going. Well, I was just going to say, if, if you can imagine what algae does for the earth, and with all this fast growing and helps your cells grow and releases oxygen, just imagine what it does to your body. Because it's doing all the same things in your body when you digest it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Um, I was going to ask, do you recommend, so your products, do you recommend um, taking them in conjunction with a specific type of diet? Are you vegetarian yourself? Are you like low sugar? Um well, we're really, one of the exciting things about algae is that it fits into every diet and every lifestyle. So if you're ketogenic, which is high fat, it's got high fat. If you are paleo, which is high protein, it's got high protein. If you're vegan, it's, it's, it's vegan. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's also low carb. So if you're diabetic, we can't have sugar or you're on a low, uh, you know, trying to you know, overcome health issues because of the inflammation, it fits into every single thing. And, and as for me, I, I refer to myself as a plant, I, I have a plant-based diet. So the vast majority of my food comes from vegetables and salads and algae. I'm a big consumer of algae. Um, however, I do eat small amounts of, uh, um, I have some eggs, I, I seafood, and I, I, I do eat a small amount of always vegetarian or grass-fed chicken or beef, but it's, a, it's probably about 10% of my, maybe 20% tops of my diet. Okay. So I, 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 and, and I fortunately crave the vegetables now, so it's not even like I have to work hard at it. But for people who know they need to eat more greens but don't like greens, this is, algae is kind of like your gateway <laughs> because if you swallow them, you get all the same benefits and you don't taste anything green. Plus, you get all that extra nutrients. And for vegans, they're often short of protein. Boom, you get all the protein that you need. And if you are paleo or keto, you are probably missing a lot of chlorophyll because you're not eating a lot of greens. And when we get to the chance to talk about the chlorella, I'll, I'll emphasize the importance of chlorophyll because it has the highest chlorophyll in the world. So, um, uh, yeah, I, um, I, you know, I, I, I I love I love eating healthy. <laughs> I put it on salads. I put it in trail mix. Um, people put them into smoothies. 
if you just drop them into the top of a yogurt or something, you're, you'll, that way you'll always be guaranteed to get um, your nutrients for the day instantly. No cooking or cleaning. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. So I guess I'll give an anecdote that's tied to a question uh, because I, I did want to ask you about how you get information um, and you kind of hinted at it a few times. But, uh, and, and here's the anecdote. So I read um, Brain Maker by Dr. Uh, Perlmutter. Perlmutter. Perl- Perlmutter. Yeah, okay. Perlmutter, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. I read... He's fantastic, and, I've met him. No. Oh, really? Grain Brain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we speak at, we all speak at the same conferences, so it's great. He's fantastic. Okay. And, and then I read um, Super Life by Darren, uh, again, Darren Olian. I'm, I'm terrible with names, um, who isn't a doctor himself, but I guess the point I wanted to make was in Brain Maker, he was really saying that like, if possible, cut out fruit almost entirely. Whereas in Super Life, he was saying, you know, don't eat an excessive amount of fruit because don't eat an excessive amount of anything, but eat fruit. And so someone who, you know, again, is not a scientist, who's just a layman, both of these seem like they would be good sources. And again, like a keto diet versus a this, like how, how do you recommend somebody distinguish between what an accurate source is and what isn't? Hopefully that's not too loaded of a question. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's a really great question and it is very complicated and it's taken me years to figure it out. So here's my answer. Number one, the only person that knows what's really right for you is you. And the reason I say that is because we all have different DNA, we all have different digestive tracts, we all have different energy levels, we have different um, health conditions that may compromise your digestion or your immune system. So um, there is no one, um, one sort of solution for everybody. So, uh, but what I'm fine, what the problem is, is most people are so busy, they and they've been eating such a bad diet anyways, they aren't really even in tuned with their body. So the first thing is when I studied nutrition, because I, I have a, I'm a board-certified health counselor, um, we were told to encourage people to try what we call the elimination diet. If you're having, if you're low in energy or you're having digestive problems. So the main culprits for causing pro- digestive and energy problems are dairy, uh, caffeine, uh, wheat, um, uh, those are probably the, the three biggest ones. So, so for a week, you could eliminate all of those. And try, there's something else I'm trying to remember what it is. Um, maybe even fruit. Um, and then, you know, introduce them back after a week of not having anything. Take one of them, let's say dairy. And, and then after a week of not having any dairy and you have some dairy and you have some digestive distress that says, oops, maybe dairy's not so good for me. And by the way, almost all Asians, anyone from, um, uh, a, a country of black descent, um, none of them have the digestive enzyme that makes it easy to digest dairy. Wow. So there's entire, there's entire, you know, cultural groups that don't have the digestive enzymes for certain food groups. And that's one of them. So, and then maybe the next week, maybe, maybe dairy was fine for you. So, okay, maybe the next week start maybe introducing some, um, you know, some bread. And so you can see if gluten was the culprit that was causing you to be tired or fatigued. Um, I have to say, gluten doesn't really carry a lot of nutritional value, period. Um, it's very satisfying to your tongue and your taste buds because it stimulates part of your brain that gives you this 
the feeling of, of happiness. But it is still a carb, and um, you know it digest it burns very. It, it, ca- it can cause an insulin spike. You can get an insulin spike from uh, from rice cakes uh, as much as you would from a chocolate bar because it processes so quickly. What what you want to try to stay away from are things that are causing you digestive distress because that will fatigue you because your body is fighting against itself um, trying to digest things. And it does take a little time to understand a little bit about you know, different food groups. For example, fruits um, are mostly sugar, that's sucrose and fructose, and they digest very quickly. I personally am very sensitive to sugar, and so I cannot eat any fruit. Or if I can, the only ones are probably strawberries or maybe the occasional you know, raspberry, and I can't eat many of them because that causes me so much stomach distress and I, you know, lots of other things. So... Um, and, and so there's a lot of people that are like that. Also, because fruits digest so quickly, if you have fruit and you have a protein at the same time, it confuses your digestive system because the protein takes a long time to digest and the fruits take no time. So it's issuing different enzymes to, di- it, it, enzymes to digest the fruit, which don't affect the protein. So now the protein doesn't get digested properly and it can go into your lower intestine undigested, which where it ferments and causes you stomach distress. So when you're ever testing um, your digestive tract to figure out what's good for you, try to isolate certain food groups. So just, that's why they always say eat fruit maybe an hour or two if you want fruit after your meal if if you're sensitive to that. Um, And I would always, if you do like fruit, I would encourage you to eat small quantities because all the fruit's been hybrid, got way more sugar than it used to have, you know, 20 years ago. Um, you can never go wrong generally with anything green unless some people have a, an issue with fiber. So again, this circles back to pay attention to your blood type. There's a book called Eat Right for Your Blood Type. Um, but in general, I, I would have to say soy is generally not good for you. Uh, uh, gluten is generally not good for you. Uh, and after that, everything in kind of moderation. Um, and it, it really depends on, on, on your lifestyle and what you are going through, if you are having a health crisis or you're, you've been diagnosed with cancer or any other metabolic disease, you need to cut out foods that are acidic. This is how this all started. Remember, my sister had breast cancer and her oncologist, so not, not just a GP, but her oncologist, this is in Canada, told her to eat an alkaline diet because it would help build her immune system. So if you are having immune system issues or you're, you have a compromised if you've been diagnosed with a metabolic disease, and that includes things like cancer and heart disease or even IBS, then you want to pay attention to moving your food choices to more alkaline foods and staying away from the acidic foods, which are things like coffee and wine or beer or animal protein, um, processed foods, dairy, and try to eat more of a plant-based diet because that will, that will help your immune system. So, so there's lots of different points of view I know it's a fabulous image. I'm sure your listeners have seen it, and probably you have too, of this picture of an elephant. And there's a lot of people, all of whom are blindfolded, and they have their hand on a different part of the elephant. You know, somebody's got their hand on the trunk, and somebody else has got it on the flank, and somebody else has got it on the ear. And they're all identifying the elephant based on that one touch point. But, of course, it's far more than what they can see from their one touch point. And your nutrition and your diet and your digestion and your wellness and your your biome are similar. So it's all, it's, there's lots of good points of view. They all pretty much are relevant for certain, you know, slices of, of the population. So 
the only one will really know what's working for you is you. Wow. That, there's a lot of good stuff in there <laughs> that, that I could touch on. <laughs> Are you interested at all in writing a book? I am trying to write a book. It, um, it's, you know, it's stop and go because I have so much going on, but, I, and it's primarily to explain algae and what it does. And cause there's, you know, athletic benefits and then there's wellness benefits. And we're working with so many doctors on the metabolic disease benefits, you know, reducing inflammation and uh, helping with heart disease. So yeah, I, I, I do. I, I'm hoping that in the next year I can get it finished because, um, and I, this would be fun. Maybe of your listeners could tell me if they like the title. My, my working, working title is you eat what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, too funny, right? Yeah, I so mean, anyway, who knows? I, I mean, I do, I, I do love it. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just saying. That, I mean, it's fascinating. A, a lot of what you're saying is, it's like uh, I'm being reminded of things that I have read in those two books that I mentioned, and uh, it's matching up pretty well. I think you made an interesting point about uh, different cultures and their digestive enzymes. I've also noticed yes. just in my own travel. So I've been to Southeast Asia three times now. I've been to Africa. And I always go through a period of acclimation um, where right. like, I guess I'm getting used to the microbes there. And then it's always like, just when I'm getting used to it, I fly back home and then I have to like go through that process again. Um, but it, it, you know, this is going to sound like a plug, and I guess it is. But that is one of the reasons why I do take things with me. Uh, especially right. like, for example, I was just in, uh, in Indonesia and almost every single meal I ate, you get like a big heaping side of, of white rice with it. And I do love rice, but I'll bring things with me so that I can at least keep my, my system and my body normal and kind of, you know, keeping it acclimated to my regular diet while also like, you know, I'm in a new place. I don't want to experience that culture in those people. So it is a balance, but I always right. do, do bring things with me. And I mean, now that I'm a, a consumer of your product, I'll, I'll definitely start doing that in the future too. Well, and that's a, maybe it's a nice segue to talk a little bit about chlorella because sure. um, chlorella, which is, was the one algae that developed just 500 years after spirulina, it is truly a plant. And whereas spirulina is a blue-green algae, chlorella is a green algae. And the reason why that's important is chlorella has a thousand times more chlorophyll than anything else in the world, even oh. kale, a thousand times. And, and one of my goals, and over, you know, hopefully more of your people will start understanding, the, you know, the reason why your mother always told you to eat greens was, you know, the fiber is important, of course, but it's mostly the chlorophyll, because the chlor chlorophyll is one of the few fat-based pigments Oh, yeah, and so it's a fat-based antioxidant. A lot of your listeners have probably heard about antioxidants because they, you know, they kill free radicals. But all of that activity of most of most of those free ra um, antioxidants are uh, water-based, so they're from fruit, and so that that affects your you know, your blood and your plasma, but that doesn't affect your cell wall. Chlorophyll is one of the few fat-based antioxidants out there, and the reason why it's important for digestion when you're traveling is because the, um, it heals the, it, only 10% of it gets absorbed in your stomach. The rest of the chlorophyll is one of the few things that travel all the way down through your liver and down through your lower intestine. And that's why they actually use chlorella, which ours is called recovery bits, because it helps you, re um, IBS, Crohn's disease, anybody 
of digestive issues it because it's healing the cell walls in your digestive tract it's so amazing wow. and that's why a lot of people it's also been known if you take it before you eat it will help with your digestion so when you're traveling and you are you know trying different foods it would probably be really prudent to have some chlorella with you to help with your digestion because the other thing often i find when i'm traveling is i get constipated and the rice um, yeah. you know anything that's carbs will do that and so this will uh they it, it, what it does is it helps with what's called the periostalsis it helps your um lower intestine move you know better so it, it helps with that and it also helps heal the the lower digestive tract however i will i i i, I with, you know it's one thing to definitely take it before you eat it's now chlorella uh does take an hour and a half to get absorbed unlike spirulina which gets absorbed instantly it takes an hour and a half and uh, one of the cool things about chlorella, and it's been documented for decades, it's one of the few things that pulls out toxins of any kind. So mercury, lead, they use it. They use it Chernobyl to pull out radiation. Uh, the athletes wow. like it because it pulls out lactic acid. It will pull out anything that they. They're, it's used for Lyme in Lyme disease because there's a protocol where they it kills the Lyme and then the chlorella. Recovery bits will pull out the deadline. The, the deadline, but I do want to make one other. So it's a good, good news, bad news. Is one of the fun things that it pulls out is alcohol. So if you uh, are traveling, or even you're at home and you're having a glass of wine, or you have alcohol, any, any kind of alcohol, it will pull the alcohol right out of your bloodstream, and within an hour and a half, you're sober, and you will never have a hangover. So the only thing caveat I would say is that if you do want to have some wine, you want to get a little bit of buzz, um, be sure you take your chlorella after your meal or after you finish drinking because if you take it before it's like a Roomba it's just like it's, it's like a you know vacuum it's just pulling the uh, alcohol out of your bloodstream so you never get that buzz so take it afterwards wow that's fascinating so that's why we generally isn't that fun so we um we tell people to if you had if you wanted to set up a you know routine definitely take your energy bits in the morning because it will give you energy for the day take it in, in the afternoon you're tired again take it anytime you're hungry uh, and you can take the recovery bits slash chlorella also any time of the day. I take them during the morning. I take them in the afternoon. But definitely get used to taking them at night because your body goes through a detox anyways when you're sleeping. And if you have had a glass of wine or two and you are in the habit of taking your recovery bits after at the end of the day, then it will it'll do all its good stuff while, while you're working, so or while you're sleeping rather. So uh, it is pretty amazing uh, stuff. It has 50 times more chlorophyll than even liquid chlorophyll, which is made from um, wheatgrass. So, uh, so it's, it's, it's unbelievable what this stuff does. Wow. Well, listen, I think that I hit, I think this is really valuable stuff, not just for people traveling, but for, um, for, for people in general. If, if anyone listens to this podcast and they either want to follow up on the studies or they want to, check out the company or buy something, how can they get in touch? How can they find you and find Energy Bits? Yeah. Thank you. Well, our website is uh, www.energybits.com, E-N-E-R-G-Y, B for boy, I-T for Tom, S for Sam.com. And we have a fair amount of information on the website. Um, also, uh, and, and if, uh, if they do want to come and make a purchase, we have a company discount code, which gives you 20% off any time. The discount code is the word BITS, B for boy, I, T for Tom, S. Feel free to share it with your friends. We want everybody to get a discount. 
if, however, you are a prime, um, you're, you shop along on Amazon, we're also sold on Amazon, and you can also get single servings. You want to test it out first. You can get a couple of single servings on Amazon, um, we, uh, Energy Bits, Recovery Bits, Skinny Bits. So, um, and if you get Prime, you get shipping is free. So, you know, the bags are $120. They do have a thousand tablets in them. So, if you took the minimum of 30 tablets a day, uh, it would last you a month. There's so much nutrition in these in the algae that it's a, re- a food-based replacement for your multivitamin. So, you wouldn't need to take calcium or magnesium or fish oil or any of that stuff. It, so, so it will save you money that way. And you will not be as hungry, so you will save money on groceries. And if you don't like greens and you know you need to eat more greens, there you go. You won't have to eat greens because you're getting all the, all the green stuff from the, from the algae. So energybits.com for the bags and bags or single servings on Amazon. And we, um, you can also go to our website. Uh, we now sell through hundreds of um, wellness practitioners, doctors, nutritionists, yoga studios. We're working with the wellness community uh, rather than retailers right now. So you can go on our website and click, you know, find a retailer and we'll, you can t- find out if there's somebody near you that sells the single servings. They only sell the single servings and we, we sell the bags. Right. Um, but it, it is, it is really amazing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All from other nature. She, <laughs> she, she had our, she had our back when she got this going. <laughs> awesome. Well, Catherine, hang on with me while I close out. Cause I want to just touch base about a couple things, but thank you so much for coming on. Um, if anybody did skip the introduction for this episode, go back to it. I do like to do a couple giveaway things. Um, so I am going to give away a few of those uh, single serving packs to people, but listen to see how you could possibly get one of those. Um, but for everyone listening, thank you so much. And uh, as always, take care of each other. Bye-bye.